Spirit of grace for leading us so capably in worship today. What an honor. How good it is to praise our great God. Amen? Here at the Contemporary Service, we love to do this with energy. Thank you so much. Welcome again to Grace Church. We welcome all of you who may be watching online or listening to our podcast. What a great joy to have you with us as well. Thank you for being a part of our extended Grace family today, and we thank you for tuning in and listening and watching. May you also be blessed today through our worship and time of message this morning. So today we continue our sermon series on the Gospel of Mark. We have been studying this Gospel of Mark for about a year and a half or two years almost, and uh, today we are in a series called uh, Journey to the Cross, and today's passage takes us to Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14. We're going to read here verses 66 through 72. You may turn there in your Bible or on your tablet or smartphone or however you access the Word of God, but the words are also on the screen, and you may simply follow along, if you would, while I read them. In my Bible, the section is entitled, Peter Disowns Jesus. Hear the Word of God. While Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came by. When she saw Peter warming himself, she looked closely at him. You also were with that Nazarene, Jesus, she said. But he denied it. I don't know or understand what you are talking about, Peter said, and went out into the entryway. When the servant girl saw him there, She said again to those standing around, this fella is one of them. Again, Peter denied it. After a little while, those standing near said to Peter, surely you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. And Peter began to call down curses on himself, and he swore to them, I don't know this man you're talking about. Immediately, the rooster crowed the second time. And then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows twice, you will disown me three times. And he broke down and wept. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord and God, come and speak to us. Open our ears, open our minds, silence our lips, still our bodies, focus our hearts, that we may receive what it is that your Spirit is saying to the churches this morning, even to Grace Church. So, Lord, come. This is your time. You be honored and glorified through it. Speak to us, Lord. We are listening. In your holy name we pray it. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Brothers and sisters loved by God, has there ever been a time in your life when you felt like such a failure, like you just really blew it? You wondered what was next, maybe even how you could go on. 
Lord, I can't believe what I said to her. Oh, Lord, I knew it was terrible. As soon as I had said it, I wish I could retract those words. I told her to go take a hike. I guess it was the heat of the emotion. I was flooded with emotions, and we were arguing, and she did. She left me. I feel that I may have destroyed our marriage. Lord, I'm sorry. What can I do? Please forgive me, Lord. Help her to forgive me. She doesn't respond to my calls or texts as much as I try. Lord, I've really blown it this time. I feel like a failure. We were in the break room at work, enjoying our 30-minute lunch break, and we were sitting together, and the guys and the rest of us were kind of around the tables like normal, and most of the time is just kind of chit-chat and small talk as we're snarfing down our sandwiches and our food. But on this day, I could tell the guys, for some reason, had entered into a kind of religious conversation. They were talking about faith and about God. They knew that I was a Christian, and they had a question, and so they turned to me, and they said, well, okay, if God is good, and God is loving, and God is in control, then why is there so much suffering and evil in this world? I felt like I was being put on the spot. I didn't know what to say. I said, I don't know. I choked. I copped out. I, I, I could have said so much more. I, I could have shared with them that, yes, there's good in the world, but there's, there's also evil, and, and, and there's God, and there's the enemy, and we have human choice and free will, and sometimes we suffer the consequences of our choices and, or the consequences of other choices. And This is a broken, fallen world, but that's why Jesus came to die and to give his life so that we could be redeemed, that there could be a better life to come, and that Jesus, too, he suffered. He knows your suffering. I could have said so much more in that moment. I wish I had, and afterward I thought of all these things that I wish that I had said, but in the moment I... I choked and I felt like I denied Jesus. It was not a good day for my witness that day. I felt like a failure. I always enjoyed my college summers working at home back in Michigan and uh, doing lawn care or landscaping. I did that a few summers. I really enjoyed the good, honest, hard work and getting outside, being out there. It was great fun. So I was really happy when Mark B. from my home church offered me a position. He said, you want to come work for me this summer? You can do lawn care with us. And that would be great. I know how to run a weed whip. I can run a lawnmower. I can do this. He put me behind a great big 48-inch deck, walk behind self-propelled mower. His Younger brother Steve ran the big riding mower. He did the big places, and me and another guy had, 
had mowers. We did all the trim and the narrow places, the places that were too small for the big riding mower. I got pretty accustomed to that, that mower, working the controls, using the tires, wheel, the brakes, the turn. It was later in the summer, and we were cutting grass at Royal Park Condominiums in Zeeland. I found myself cutting a narrow strip of grass that I had cut many times before between a decorative fence and a pond. Just a narrow strip of grass, and you kind of went down. There was no outlet. You had to make a sharp turn and come back. And on this particular day, I guess I sort of misjudged the turn, and I put the mower in the pond. <laughs> oh, no. I got in there, and it went down. I was, I was about almost waist deep already. It was like a gravel pit pond, and I tried to get that mower out. It kept running, and the wheels kept turning, but it wasn't moving. It was in the water now, and it was starting to choke a little bit and weighed over 100 pounds. I couldn't get it out. Finally, I had to fess up to my boss. Oh, no. Would I be fired? I felt like an idiot. He said, well, it wasn't the first time that that mower's been in the pond. Probably won't be the last. He hooked up his tow strap to his pickup truck, and he pulled it out of there, and it still ran. It was okay. But boy, did I feel stupid. Felt like a failure that day. Lord, I can't believe I'm back here again in this same place. God, I keep falling into this same sin. I just can't seem to get on top of it, Lord, and I keep reverting back to it when I want comfort. I, I turn to this, Lord, and I'm sorry. I know it is not holy and pleasing unto you, and yet, Lord, it seems like a habit. It's a pattern. I fear that I might be addicted. Lord, help me. Help me, O oh Lord. I need your help and I need your grace and your mercy. I feel like a failure today. My name is Peter. Some people refer to me as Simon, although a lot of people know me as impetuous Peter. I guess that's because I tend to act first and think later, like the time Jesus was coming to us in the boat on the water at night, and, and I said, Rabbi, it's you, and I jumped out of the boat. I thought if he could walk on water, so could I. Well, I took a couple steps, or the time when I pulled my sword and cut off Malchus's ear in the Garden of Gethsemane. A lot was going on and Jesus was being arrested and I was upset and I, I sliced off the ear of the servant. Jesus said, no, Peter, those who live by the sword die by the sword. Put your sword back. And he healed Malchus's ear. Thank God. It was enjoyable following Jesus for those three years. I learned a lot. I had a front row seat at Jesus' sermons and, and his teachings, and, and they were great. And then there was the Sermon on the Mount, and it went on and on and on. And I thought, when will this ever end? But it was good stuff. 
I got to see Jesus perform many miracles. Like the time he healed the leper. Or the time he healed the paralytic man. He told him to to get up, take up his mat and go home. And he did. We were in awe. We were amazed. Or the time Jesus took five loaves of bread and two fish and fed 5,000 men and who knows how many women and children. It was amazing. I love Jesus. I love following Him. New adventures every day. You never knew where He was going to lead us. But then things took a turn. Jesus started talking about being betrayed into the hands of sinners, uh, into the chief priests and the teachers of the law and how they, would, how they would beat him and whip him, mock him and crucify him. Jesus started talking about death and I didn't want to hear any part of it. I said, no, Jesus, not you, never. And Jesus said, Peter, get behind me, Satan. You do not have in mind the things of God, but you're thinking about the things of men, of this world. And Jesus rebuked me. It was while we were reclining around the table, eating the meal of the Passover, when Jesus said, one of you will betray me. What? We were shocked. One of us? One of the twelve? Surely not I, Lord. We all said the same thing. We will never betray you. Who is it, Lord? He said, it's the one who dips bread into the bowl with me. And we all denied that we would ever betray Jesus. And then he said to me, Peter, I tell you the truth. Before the rooster crows this morning, you will deny me three times. I said, no way, Lord. I will not deny you. Jesus led us out to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. Well, actually, he prayed. (laughs) Me and the others, we had a hard time staying awake that night. We kept dozing off. Jesus would come back and say, hey, couldn't you even stay awake for one hour? Come on, be alert, watch, pray. Jesus would go off and pray, and it happened three times. And finally, the third time, he said, you couldn't even stay awake. He said, look, my betrayer is here now. It was Judas, one of the twelve, one of us. He went up to Jesus and he kissed him. And the temple guard and the Roman soldiers seized him. They were armed to the teeth with weapons and swords. And we, we disciples, we, we all fled. I followed from afar. I was watching through the trees and through the forest around the garden and watching where they would take Jesus. I followed from a distance and I think they took him to the home of Caiaphas, the high priest in town, and I kind of went down into the courtyard and tried to slip in and blend in with some of the people when a servant girl said, oh, you were with one of them. You were with that Jesus, the Nazarene. And I said, I don't know what you're talking about. And then a little moments later, she said, no, you We're with them. You were part of his followers. And I said, no, no, I wasn't. 
And then another man came up. He said, I recognize your Galilean accent. You are a part of Jesus' followers, the ones from Galilee. I know you. And I said, no. No, I don't even know the man. And I swore that I never knew Jesus. And the rooster crowed. And the words of Jesus flashed through my mind. He was right. I betrayed him. I denied him three times. Three times. And I went out and I wept. I was such a failure that day because I had failed Jesus. I denied him. Three observations. Number one, failure happens sometimes. Despite our best efforts, despite our good intentions, despite our vows and promises, we still fail. We are, after all, human. And the Bible reminds us that no one is righteous. No, not one. There's no one who, who really truly seeks God. For we all, like sheep, have gone astray. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It doesn't matter how good you think you are. The fact is we all sin. We all fail at times, whether it's in our jobs or at school or in your relationships or with your spouse or within your family or your personal life or before God. Your humanity will sometimes get the best of you in this broken, fallen world. The truth is we're not any better than Peter. Like Peter, we all have the tremendous capacity to deny Jesus. In his first denial, the servant girl came to him and said, Well, you were, you were with that man, Jesus of Nazareth. And what did Peter do? He says, I don't know what you're talking about. He pleaded ignorance. And I think how easy it is for us sometimes to just plead ignorance. Sitting around the break room at work or around the coffee table with others or in the restaurant with friends. People start talking about religion and faith and we pretend like we don't know. So we don't enter into the conversation. We don't engage when we should. We don't say what needs to be said. We can all deny Jesus by pleading ignorance. In the second accusation, the servant girl says to Peter, you were one of them. You were a part of his followers. And Peter says, no, I wasn't. Peter denies that he is a part of the followers of Jesus Christ. He is denying that he is, in fact, a part of the, the community of believers. Today we call it the church. And he denies Jesus. In doing so. And I think how easy it is today for some to deny the body of Christ. We can deny Jesus in the same way because, in fact, the body of Christ is the body of Christ. 
the church. You are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it, says Paul, 1 Corinthians 12, 27. We say, well, we don't need church. Or if we're a part of church, we tend to gossip about other people. We can put down our fellow church members and others. We might talk negatively about the church leaders or even the pastor and and not support the church. We too, like Peter, can deny that we're a part of them. We're not a part of, no, we have nothing to do. And in so doing, we deny Jesus. Later, a man says, hey, you were with Jesus. I recognize you. And in Peter's most blatant denial yet, he says, no. I don't even know the man. Probably the most hurtful of all the denials to Jesus. I don't even know you. I don't even know you, Jesus. Oh, we might not come right out and say those words. Probably probably nobody here would. But we can deny Jesus with our actions. How many of you know actions speak louder than words? When we find substitutes in our culture to alleviate our pain, when we turn to this or to that or whatever other vice there may be to find refuge and comfort instead of turning to Jesus, what we're really saying is, Jesus, you're not enough for me. I guess I need something else on the side. And in so doing, we deny Jesus blatantly. Failure happens sometimes. Let's just be honest about that. The second point I want to make, failure is no surprise to God. God is not surprised by your shortcomings, your sins, your failures. He's disappointed, but He is not surprised. In Peter's case, Jesus had foretold and even warned Peter ahead of time, you will deny me, Peter. If Peter had been more self-aware, maybe he could have caught himself before he did it, but he denied Christ. It was no surprise. Jesus knew about it even before it happened. And friends, God knows your weaknesses too. He knows your sins and your shortcomings. He knows your failings. And how you feel about that. You may be able to hide it from others or from your pastor or from friends at church or other friends or your family members, uh, but God sees it all. You're not fooling Jesus. The psalmist said in Psalm 139, O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit, when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You declare my... you uh, you. Uh, discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all of my ways, and before a word is even on my tongue, Lord, you know it completely. You know, God, what I'm going to do, what I'm going to say, where I'm going to go, even before I do it. That can be 
comforting to know that God is with us and He sees you and He cares for you wherever you are, but it can also be a little scary, right? God sees it all, which is why the author of Hebrews can say, we, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. No, we have one who has been tempted and tried in every way just as we are, yet was without sin. So let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Friends, God sees it all. So stop hiding. Stop retreating. Stop shrinking back. God already knows your weaknesses, your sins, and your failings. There's no need to wallow in sin and guilt and shame and hiding. Just confess your sins to God. 1 John 1.9 tells us, For God is faithful and just. He will forgive you your sin and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. It's a promise. Claim it. Forgive your sin. Receive forgiveness. Or confess your sin. Receive forgiveness. And move on. Move on. For your sins, your failures are no surprise to God. It's why Jesus died for you. Thirdly, failure doesn't stop us. Say it with me. Failure doesn't stop us. Fast forward now to later in Peter's life, after Jesus was crucified, died, and rose again. According to John chapter 21, the only gospel writer to include this story, Peter encounters Jesus on a beach. Peter and some of the disciples had been out fishing all night long. They caught nothing. You probably know the story. The sun is coming up. It's starting to get light. They're getting closer to shore. They're sort of giving up. And a man on the shore kind of yells out to them across the water and says, try casting your net on the right side of the boat. They're thinking, well, I guess what do we have to lose? So they do it. And what happens? The net is bursting with fish. And Peter at that moment recognizes that it is the Lord on the shore. It is Jesus. He, what does he do? He jumps, impetuous Peter, jumps out of the boat. He swims and runs up to Jesus on the shore. Probably gives him a hug. I don't know. Maybe it was a little bit fearful. What would Jesus do? Jesus has got a fire going. He's grilling fish. They're having breakfast on the beach with Jesus. I love that. Grilled fish for breakfast. Sounds healthy. And after breakfast, Jesus takes Peter aside and he says to him, Peter, do you love me more than these? More than these. Always a little bit of a question of interpretation. Was Jesus saying, do you love me more than these other disciples? Do you love me more than these, your fishing vessels and gear here, all of this? Do you love me more than these fish? I don't know, you know, what was... It? Peter says, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus says, feed my lambs. And Jesus asked Peter a second time, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus says, then take care of my sheep. And then Jesus asked Peter a third time, and Peter was hurt because Jesus had asked him a third time, 
Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, Lord, you know that I love you. Yes. And Jesus says, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. What's going on here? What's happening? Jesus is reinstating Peter into ministry. Peter felt like a failure after the resurrection. They're back out fishing. And Jesus asked three times, perhaps once for every denial, do you love me? Peter says, yes, three times. And Jesus says, feed my lambs, take care of my sheep, feed my sheep. What is Jesus saying? He's basically saying, care for my people, care for the people of Israel, care for the followers of me. We are the sheep of God's pasture. Jesus is reinstating Peter into ministry. Failures do not have to stop you, my friends. They didn't stop Peter, and they don't need to stop you either. You may have really blown it. You may be feeling miserable today. You may have gotten yourself into a bind. You may be bruised and broken. You may have fallen into a sin. You may have denied Jesus in your words or deeds, but I'm here to tell you it's not over. It's not over. It's not over until it's over, and it's not yet over. Praise God. If you're not dead, you're not done. God is not finished with you yet. God can still use you, and He will use you. Paul said in Philippians 1, I am confident that He, God, who began a good work in you, will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. When Jesus comes back, friends, until that day, we have work to do, and God wants to use you. He died for your sins. They're in the past. And God is saying, would you move forward with me in ministry today? The psalmist put it this way in Psalm 138, the Lord will fulfill His purpose for me. Your love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not abandon the work of your hands. Friends, God will not abandon the work of your hands. So don't give up. Don't be defeated. You may be down for a moment, but your life will keep going by the grace of God. Sometimes we look at our lives as if it's a picture. But pictures are still pictures. And you may have a picture of you in your failing but life is not a picture. Life is a video. It keeps moving forward. The movie continues to unfold. Don't let what happened back there stop you from becoming all that you can be today and tomorrow. Failure doesn't stop you, friends. The cross is empty. In verse 72, the very last sentence, we read here that Peter broke down and wept. He broke down and wept. He felt remorse. He was sorry. He knew that he had blown it. And he cried. Lord, I'm sorry. Lord, I denied you. I think the passage is saying a couple of things to us at least. It is an exhortation for us to, to do better than Peter. 
to live our lives fully for God, to commit to Him fully, 100% on every single day. Lord, today is a good... I might have messed up yesterday. I might have messed up an hour ago. But Lord, I'm with you, and I want to live for you now and today and for this day forward. Whether that's one time or a hundredth time or the thousandth time that you've made that commitment, you keep following Jesus, friends. Stand strong, stand firm, especially in these times that we're living in where we know things are going to get difficult. And they already are. May we resolve today to stand firm. We can do better than Peter. But when we fail, because we're human, we can embrace the gospel of God's grace. We can embrace the work of Jesus on the cross. It was part of Peter's sins and yours and mine too that sent Jesus to the cross to die for you and me so that we might live for that those who believe in him shall not die but have everlasting life. Amen? Amen. Abundant, free, eternal life. So fail forward, would you? Fail forward. Fail forward into God's grace. Take lemons and make lemonade. Uh, Don't be discouraged, but keep moving forward. Fail forward. Fail into God's grace. Fail into a resolve to do better next time. And may the grace of God make it so in your heart and your life. We can do this. Amen? Amen? We can do this. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for an opportunity to just to take a look at Peter this morning. Lord, the truth be told, we have all failed you. And sometimes we can remain stuck in our sins and we wallow in guilt and shame and guilt. Lord, uh, just come and refresh us today and renew us, Lord. No matter how far we may drift from you, you still see us. There's no place we can go where we are outside of your grace and love. So, Lord, would you come to us today? Call us back to you. Refresh us and renew us. Forgive us and cleanse us. Oh, how we need Jesus. Oh, how we need Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus, come. May we be your faithful people every day. Amen.